Welcome to the Daily Ding on the Athletic Podcast Network. I'm between Kim by Trey Young. Wait, you don't, want, I gotta the, go. you don't want the dribbler? <laughs> <laughs> I want somebody that's going to pass the ball. That's what I want. <laughs> Reverse flush and ain't that a smooth one. This out goes, and I hope I have no friends. And his response was, I'm sorry, I just wanted a frosty. I want Tyler to know his ass should have got thrown out. If I was a ref, I would have tossed his last. How dare you? Good morning and welcome to the Daily Ding. Happy Friday morning. We've got everything you need to know from trade deadline Thursday night in the NBA. I am Jared Weiss. I'm joined by Trayvon Edwards with Rob Lopez. Still finalizing a trade call coming up on today's show. The Rockets are smaller than ever. Cat Hart Stilo and Iggy takes Miami. But first, all trades are, of course, a waste of time because the Bucks are still untouchable. They beat the Sixers at home 112 to 101. Uh, third straight win for them. They are 12 and 1 in their last 13, and they haven't really lost that many even before that. Giannis, he had his first 35 and 20 game. Fifth straight game with 30 points and 15 rebounds. That is the best streak in the association since 1985-1986. But then on the other side of the coin, we have the Sixers losing four in a row. Brett Brown said coming into the week that they had a big test where they had uh, the Celtics, the Raptors, and the Bucks, and they lost all three of them. So they are officially in trouble. Trey, uh, what was your big takeaway from this game? Is it the Bucks looking glorious or the Sixers looking like they're falling off a cliff here? Oh, man, where do I start? It's just at the point now where there's some internal issues right now with Philadelphia, and I'm surprised that they did not make any moves outside of improving three-point shooting. That was one issue, but sooner or later, they're going to have to you know, settle with the elephant in the room, and it's between Embiid and Simmons, and they're going to have to move on those guys. Um, it's just not working out. And they got flat out embarrassed tonight, whether it was Embiid's play or, you know, just being dominated by the Bucks. Um, it, it's it's just not it's not a good look. And and I, I don't I don't I don't really know what to, to to make of it. You know what I mean? Like it's not about Embiid or Ben Simmons liking each other or anything of that nature. It's just you know it can all it's so many fingers that can be pointed, whether it's Brett Brown, etc. But. I don't know. The Bucks are are good, and we knew that. But like seeing this team on Christmas roll over on the Bucks, if they're not shooting hot, they have no chance against this team. And the Sixers, they took ninety nine shots. They made thirty seven of them, which is not good for all your non math nerds out there. Joel went six for twenty six from the field. Three for 10 from deep. He had 19 points and 11 rebounds and six assists to his credit. But Joel's off. He's way off. He's not attacking. Um, I was at that game uh, against Boston. And in that game, he was it was like the worst game I think I've ever seen him play, except for that one where he went over against the Raptors. But he just was a shell of himself. And. It, there's just this weird thing where he's not trying to fight through guys anymore. He's settling for shots that he's not hitting. Um, you know, he this team is great when he's the one that's the driving force and he isn't that driving force right now. Yeah, I mean, like, uh, Jimmy Butler was right <laughs> for for a couple franchises. So, you know, 
I, you know, they just don't got that dog in them. It's funny because Joe is the one guy that Jimmy really loved on the team. Yeah, Ben Simmons in this game, he only took six shots in 42 minutes, but he hit almost all of them. He went five for six. He had 11 points, nine assists, and 14 rebounds. I mean, he's flirting with a triple-double pretty much every night. But again, it's that lack that lack of dog that uh, definitely is the problem. Tobias Harris, he shot well. He had 25 points on 10 for 23. But Al Horford, getting back to him, he went five for 12 from deep. He had 15 points and six rebounds. And, you know, the other day, uh, he made a lot of news because he was asked about whether issues in the locker room. And he said, we have issues. We're going to keep that internal. You know, I've I've heard him say that covering him for three years. I've heard him say that plenty of times, particularly a lot of times, maybe too many times last year. But um, I, I wouldn't necessarily consider that to be an alarm being sounded. I think that's just more Horford recognizing, yeah, they're not playing well and that's an issue, but they're not going to talk about it publicly. But all the players on the team basically or the key guys were asked, are, are you guys still listening to Brett Brown? And they all said, yeah, but they weren't going like Brett's our coach. We ride or die for Brett. You know, it wasn't the enthusiastic uh, ringing of approval that you would look for. And then Brett, the way that he answered the question, it was very bizarre with him basically going like, yeah, I understand why you're asking the question. That's clearly a concern. Um, but the fact that in this game, Giannis just steamrolled them and they're the team that's built to take on Giannis. I mean, that's that's a major concern. Let's head out to Staples where the Rockets, the tiny Rockets, beat the Lakers 121 to 111. The micro ball era is here. Uh, they had Robert Covington in for Clint Capella in the rotation now. But that starting lineup, everybody was 6'6 and under. That was the first time that a team has done that since the New York Knicks over 50 years ago. And uh, it worked. It worked. It was a very weird game where James Harden was getting trapped most of the time. So it was kind of like they were doing like a, a press break kind of offense the entire time. But it worked. Russell Westbrook, he had a phenomenal game. He was he had 41 points on 17 for 28 shooting, eight rebounds, five assists and eight turnovers. And that covered up for James Harden only having 14 points on three for 10 shooting. Uh, and then, of course, they got their contributions from all the other shooters that are spread around. They had you know, f- uh, four other uh, four other guys around Westbrook in double figures. They went 19 for 42 from deep. And that was able to overcome Anthony Davis having a pretty much a perfect game. He had 32 points for the Lakers on 14 for 21 shooting with 13 rebounds, three assists, three steals, and three blocks. Um, and this was all, of course, in front of Derek. Aaron Collison, who seems like he's probably going to be the future point guard of the Lakers. Uh, he sat uh, courtside with Jeannie Buss. Uh, he was shown on the Jumbotron, and the Lakers fans went wild for him. Uh, so I guess after watching this game, do you think, first off, before we get to the Lakers, Trey, is the Rockets' microball idea going to be successful based on what you saw in this game? I'm not going to get too crazy about it. It's working right now, and obviously teams – have to adjust again it works in it works in it works in the Rockets favor in certain situations I also want to give a shout out to Brody getting his 20k in front of the hometown fans uh in LA um but then you know Rocco stepping up and playing meaningful basketball was huge for the Rockets but now they improve to 6-0 with this 6-6 and under lineup um it's it's hard. It's hard. You know what I mean? Like I mean, as if you know basketball, most of the time, 
you're going to say, oh, well, they got a front court and they're going to dominate and, and this and that. And I've seen a few things that were saying that, you know, Anthony Davis is going to have a field day with P.J. Tucker. Well, he did have a good offensive game, but there were times that it threw the Lakers out of sync. And, you know, Frank Vogel is going to have to make a lot of adjustments. You know, right now, giving those minutes to Rajon Rondo isn't the best. And I think uh, Alex Caruso should be playing a little bit more. You mentioned Darren Collison. Darren Collison wouldn't have did anything with Brody tonight. Um, I think that still would have happened, but I think adding Darren Collison to the mix will help a little bit more. But I just still think that, you know, as confident as it is to not have made a move during the deadline, the Lakers still need a piece, whether it's signing J.R. Smith for outside shooting, but to sit on their hands and say, you know what, we're going to we're going to put uh, all our all our cards in on Kuzma. He's not showing what he should you know what I mean? And that's not fair for him to, you know, put all the pressure on him. But if this team wants to be at an elite level, they're going to have to show and prove. I mean, if they can get someone that's pretty close to last year's Darren Collison, I think that would that would probably fortify them for what they need, especially if he's shooting well. But, you know, Kuz, he went 0 for 4 from deep, 2 for 8 from the field, 4 points, 6 rebounds. Uh, you know, I mean... We're talking about Darren Collison adding a point guard, but assists don't seem to be the issue. They had 33 assists compared to the Rockets only at 20, which isn't a surprise to the Rockets. Uh, but LeBron had 15 assists, 18 points, and nine rebounds. He did go one for eight from deep, though, which clearly uh, might have been the difference there. If he had a decent three-point shooting night, they might have been able to narrow that 10-point deficit down to zero. But Avery Bradley has been kind of the the – he's the guy slotted at point guard, even though obviously LeBron is running point. He went five for 10 from the field. I thought he did a very good job on James Harden, even has a really nice shot contest that somehow turned into an offensive foul that I thought was really interesting. But Bradley's doing a pretty decent job filling his role. Danny Green has been very good in his role. So, you know, the Lakers, like they they still work. Obviously, they still work. They're the first place in the Western Conference, but like they're clearly really good as constructed. We just saw in this game that when they're going up against a team that's really shooting hot, that unless they're taking in a ton of defensive rebounds and pushing hard in transition, which they only had 32 defensive rebounds. You know, they, they had 18 fast break points to the 26 for the Rockets, So they weren't dominating in transition. Then it can be hard for the Lakers to win games and credit to the Rockets for doubling down on that small ball system where they're getting up 42 threes and the, you know, the hit 19. And that was the big difference in this one. Let's get to the news section of the show. The first bit of news, the Thunder guard Shake Gilgis-Alexander will be replacing Derrick Rose in the All-Star Game Skills Competition. But who cares? Because we're here to talk about the trade deadline. And the Omari Spellman era is finally over in San Francisco as the Warriors traded him and Jacob Evans. And they decided to throw in D'Angelo Russell to the Timberwolves for Andrew Wiggins. The Warriors will also receive a 2021 first from the Wolves that is top three protected and a second round pick next year uh trey what do you think uh that's interesting you know uh i don't i don't i don't i don't get too much from that overall um just looking at it from there and it's it's just interesting because it's just not a good deal for both teams interesting um yeah i'm not a fan of it so I think the big reason why they wanted to get D'Angelo Russell was one, they're looking at the numbers 
that he's putting up and they're thinking, well, those are numbers commensurate with the star point guard. And they know that he's close friends with cat and they got to find a way to keep cat happy. So do you, do you see cat being happy? Even if they don't, if they continue to struggle to win even next year, Absolutely. I think that if they didn't, if they won five more games for the rest of the year, he has somebody to play Call of Duty with <laughs> till 3 a.m. and drink Mountain Dew. But, you know, I understand why it didn't work out. You know, like it just weren't, you know, D'Lo and, and, you know, Kerr and other guys just were not, it just weren't on a, on page. Like, you know, it, they never, it never hit it off. And that was one of those things that just kind of was difficult. So, it made sense for them to move him, but like, it's going to be even more funny having Andrew Wiggins, you know, and how he plays, you know, sometimes he makes some frustrating plays and that Stephless Andrew Wiggins, D, uh, Draymond Green tandem is going to be really interesting and a lot of frustration going on there. But I want to predict, I think now with Andrew Wiggins being able to, not be the focal point and come in as a third, fourth guy, he'll be able to play, you know what I mean? He'll be able to contribute a little bit better. Um, but yeah, like I, I don't think this moves the needle for either, either team, you know? So again, I'm not crazy about it. It's just something that was just like that meant to be done. I think everybody kind of predicted d to go to Minnesota. Um, the day he was, you know, what I mean, acquired during the draft and that, you know, he was possibly going to be moved in December and that didn't happen. And they finally got it done. Um, so, I mean, this is one of the highest, you know, what I mean, like the best point guards they've had in Minnesota Timberwolves history since maybe Stephon Marbury. Possibly, actually. Yeah. I mean, he's no Jeff Teague, but he is pretty good. And I, I'm excited for one to see how Andrew Wiggins looks playing next to Stephen Clay, where he, I think, knows his place and then isn't taking some of the garbage shots that he used to take. Because, hey, maybe they can take turn him into a more uh, explosive version of what Harrison Barnes was for them in the early championship days. But let's move on, because we got to talk about Andre Drummond finally getting the trade. He goes to Cleveland. The Pistons get John Henson and Brandon Knight in a 2023 second-round pick. They had to cut point guard Tim Frazier to make it happen. Andre has a player option that he could exercise exercise this summer uh, in the mid 20 millions. Uh, what was really surprising about this deal was that he tweeted that he was mad after the trade about how he didn't, like, he didn't get a warning that he was getting traded. Like the, the dude has been publicly shopped for months now. I mean, it's been very, like he knew he was on his way out the door and they were probably going to make it happen. So I don't understand him complaining about that one, but somebody who wanted to get traded was Marcus Morris. He was going to sign with the Clippers and then turned it down, then was going to sign with the Spurs and turn it down so that he could get more money on a one-year deal in New York, then played like played unbelievably well in New York, shooting over 40%, scoring almost 20 points a game, and then New York was able to get some pretty good stuff for him to trade him to the Clippers. So the Clippers in this multi-team deal, they're going to send Jerome Robinson out to the Wizards. Isaiah Thomas comes to the Clippers. He's going to get waived and become a free agent. He's actually been scoring, shooting over 40% from three, so he's probably going to end up somewhere. Then the Knicks, they receive Mo Harkless, who I still think is a very good rotation player, a 20- 
2020 first round pick and swap rights for the 2021 first round pick with the Clippers, which I'm pretty sure is not going to be swapped. 2021 second round pick and the rights to Isuf Senan, who I have no idea who that is. Uh, and so after the Clippers wave Isaiah Thomas and bring in Marcus Morris, they're going to have two open roster spots. So it's going to be very interesting to see if Darren Collison somehow resists the temptation of going to the Lakers and ends up going to the Clippers. Although I think the Lakers are a pretty obvious uh, choice for him if he does decide to come back. But uh, everybody's gonna, that's available is probably going to want to go to the Clippers. So that's going to be very interesting. Uh, some smaller trades here the hawks acquired Derek walton from the clippers for cash uh good to see cash go to the clippers as well good for him and also receive cash and scala bca from the blazers in a separate deal and then as part of the andre iguodala trade to miami that was originally agreed upon a principle uh, a couple nights ago the heat have now sent Deion Waiters and James Johnson, the two that were suspended at the beginning of the season for not being in shape, uh, they go to the Grizzlies and Jay Crowder and Solomon Hill ended up in Miami. So uh, Miami basically got all the old wings out of Memphis, which is pretty fascinating. Um, and then the Wolves, they end up jumping in on this. They received James Johnson from Memphis after he was Memphis bound. And then they sent back Gorgie Jang. So now they have a backup for um, for Jones Valanciunas, who's been putting up some numbers, but also makes way too much money. And the Grizzlies, they also traded Bruno Caboclo, the uh, the Brazilian Giannis, to the Rockets for Jordan Bell. So the Nuggets, they rerouted Shabazz Napier, who they had earlier acquired as part of the massive 14 mega deal that had Rocco and Clint Capella chain, uh, changing teams. He goes to the Wizards. Jordan McRae heads back to Denver. And then the Sixers, they traded James Ennis to the Magic for a 2020 second round pick and waived Trey Burke to make room for Alec Burks and Glenn Robinson III. So if you want to hear more about the breakdown of these incredible trades that happened at the deadline, you can listen to the back-to-back podcast that features Dave Dufour, Mo Dakhil, Seth Partnow, Marcus Thompson, Sam Amick, Yovan Buha, and James Edwards, and of course, and not include Trey or I. So let's talk about the all-star rosters. We have Team LeBron. It's LeBron, obviously. Anthony Davis, Kawhi Leonard, Luka Doncic, James Harden. Reserves are Dame Lillard, Ben Simmons, haha, Nikola Jokic, Jason Tatum, Chris Paul, Russell Westbrook, and Doma Sabonis. No surprise, Anthony Davis was the first overall pick, and Dame Lillard was the first reserve pick by LeBron. And then on Team Giannis, he drafted Joel Embiid, Pascal Siakam, Kemba Walker, Trey Young as his starters. And then for reserves, he brought in Chris Middleton, Amada Bayo, Rudy Gobert, Jimmy Butler, Kyle Lowry, Brandon Ingram, and Donovan Mitchell. Uh, Trey, it sounds like one of these teams might be better than the other. Yeah, I'm I'm done on assumptions. I mean, on paper, LeBron teams looks like it's going to win by 40 or uh, with the asterisk uh, for Sunday night, 24. Um, but I don't know. I mean, Giannis took the African route and got all Africans in his picks. Um, and I don't know. I mean, outside of him, you know, burning Harden and not picking him up, you know, with him making a joke saying that he wants somebody that can pass. I think I think these guys are competitors and they're going to compete. And I think that we're going to get some fun basketball. I'm excited to see just having like Kemba Walker and Trey Young just launching as many threes as humanly possible on one side. So maybe Giannis is going to regret that and he's not going to get the ball past him too much. But it is great that we have 
LeBron and Giannis kind of like the guy coming out, the guy coming in, taking over as the dominant force in the league. Giannis being kind of like this modern evolution of what LeBron is. I mean, it is it is it is it is great to have these two guys kind of as the the heads of the league now. So that's been a lot of fun. Let's get to the rest of the games from Thursday evening. The Knicks beat the Magic 105 to 103 in New York. Magic are now one and seven in their last eight. And this is just one day after the Knicks traded their leading scorer and probably greatest player of all time, Marcus Morris. And two days after they fired their president of basketball operations and hired Leon Rose and World Wide West of all people. Uh, that was pretty remarkable. There was a weird end of game sequence where Magic coach Steve Clifford was trying to get a timeout. Didn't get it called because the refs just seemed to ignore him calling the timeout for a while. And then after the game, he said that it should have been obvious for one of the three referees to see him calling the timeout. Um, and so he's probably going to get fined for that one. Uh, Julius Randle still on board. He had 22 points and eight rebounds. Todd Gibson with 19 points. That was a surprise. I'm still surprised he even stuck around there. Alfred Payton at 15 and nine assists. RJ Barrett, he returned after missing the last nine games. and He had 12 points on the losing side. Vooch had 25 and eight. Aaron Gordon, 16 points, five assists, four rebounds. Markel Fultz, almost the exact same uh, stat line, uh, 16 points, six assists, and four rebounds. Then in Chicago, the Pelicans, they took down the Bulls 125 to 119. Laurie Markinen was out for his seventh straight game with a hip injury. The Bulls expect Markinen, Wendell Carter Jr., and Otto Porter to return at the end of the month, and they're going to need him bad because right now they're starting Luke Cornett, Chandler Hutchinson, uh, Sato. Uh, they definitely could use some death back. So they don't have to play uh, Cristiano Felicio in a rotation in an NBA game. Uh, the Pelicans, their lead was as high as. 27 points in this one Zion Williamson he continues to be exactly what they hope for he had 21 points four rebounds and five turnovers in 25 minutes he went nine for 11 from the field and there was one play that really stood out Trey uh he was being very tightly guarded in transition and I think it was Lonzo just throws up an alley-oop pass to the rim and he just kind of emerges out of nowhere from hiding behind a defender to throw it down and it just shows that at all times, when Zion is on the floor, he is wide open, essentially. Levine on his way down against uh, two UCLA Bruins going against each other. The lob, Zion. Oh, about that backdoor. Lonzo Zion. Yeah, man, that, that alley-oop was crazy. Definitely, that's, that's one of many plays that we're going to see as this young man's career unfolds. And as he gets more comfortable out there on the floor. Yeah, he uh he's not comfortable out there on the floor. That's the that's the crazy part. He's still he's still running like he pooped his pants. Um he's still kind of switches gears when he's engaged versus not engaged. It's really I, I don't know what that's going to happen this year, but at some point he's going to kind of unlock his physical potential and that's when things are going to get really scary. In New Orleans, uh, even after winning this game, they still sit five and a half games out of the eight seed with Memphis, who's 26 and 25 now. So um, they didn't do anything at the at the deadline to cash in on the assets that they do have. Uh, they kept J.J. Redick. He had 18 points on seven for 14 shooting. Nikola Melli is kind of back to life here. He had 12 points in 22 minutes. And then Brandon Ingram, he had a rough night. He went 15 points on five for 10 shooting in only 21 minutes. Getting to the Portland Trailblazers, they beat the Spurs 125 to 117. 
Dame didn't score 50 in this one, but he had 26 points and 10 assists. Hassan Whiteside, who stuck around in Portland, he continues to put up some big numbers. He had 17 points, 23 rebounds, and four blocks. Carmelo Anthony, Portland legend, had 20 points, eight rebounds, and four assists. And Gary Trent Jr., off of the bench, he had 18 points and four assists. The Spurs, they lost this game, but they only had four turnovers, but they did get out-rebounded 50 to 39. But Trey Lyles, a season-high 23 points and 10 rebounds, rebounds DeMar DeRozan at 21 points seven boards six assists and Derek White had 15 points coming off of the bench let's get to our lines of the night Giannis the king had 36 points 20 rebounds and six assists oh did I say he was the king my bad Russell Westbrook he had 41 points eight rebounds and five dimes but who do you got Trey Uh, I'm going with Zion Williamson 20 21 and 25 something to brag about especially with that high field goal percentage I don't think that's going to stop Only missed two shots. How disappointing. But that's going to do it for today's show. So don't forget about the other basketball shows across the Athletic Podcast Network. We still have your favorite shows like Back to Back. We've got No Dunks. We still have Tampering. And we have House of Strouds plus over a dozen team-specific shows available from some of your favorite Athletic Beat writers. And don't forget to follow on the app to get notifications for new episodes. And if you're not a member of The Athletic, you're in luck because you can get all of our podcasts ad-free plus some fantastic writing across all major sports, all for a super low price. You get 40% off of your subscription today by going to theathletic.com slash dings. That's theathletic.com slash dings. You never know when these promos end, so get there soon. And of course, as always, thank you for waking up with us. Thanks for not trading us for another podcast. Let's get out of here, Trey. Ding, ding. Ding, ding.